Now shall we bow in prayer. Our God and our Father, another time we would bow reverently in thy presence in the precious name, Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank thee for our coming together, the one with the other around thy precious word. We thank thee, Father, before we would commence the little meeting that we, we thank thee, Father, we can sing of the cross. We can, think, we can sing of a tremendous work that has been accomplished. We thank thee, Father, for the person, thy well-beloved Son, that one who accomplished that grand and glorious provision of salvation. And yet, our Father, we thank thee, it took, it, it took him to lay down his life. It took him to shed his own most precious blood. And we thank thee, Father, for the sacrifice that was accomplished by thy Son of himself upon yonder tree. We often try to enter into the sufferings of Calvary, and yet we must acknowledge that these, men, minds that these human minds that we have, they are unable to delve into the depths of the sufferings of the Saviour as we would like. Our Father, we thank thee that upon yonder tree thou didst make to meet upon him the iniquity of us all. We think, our Father, of the many sacrifices of an old economy. We thank thee, Father, for the meaning of each one of them, and yet we do acknowledge they were limited. They were limited, our Father, as to their atonement. And even, our Father, as we think of that grand, that great day of atonement, when the high priest could only go into the holiest of all once a year on the three occasions of that day, and not without blood. And yet we thank thee, Father, that the sacrifice of Calvary supersedes all the rituals of an old economy. We thank thee, Father, for this man. After he offered himself, he has sat down on the right hand of God. We praise thee, Father, for the value of precious blood. We thank thee, Father, it has satisfied thee and thy throne forever against sin. As a result of the sufferings of thy Son upon the tree at Calvary, we thank thee, thou canst now be the just and the justifier of all those that would come unto thyself through the Son. With this in our mind, we would commend to thee this another gospel meeting. Surely in our gathering here, there's bound to be one or two that is not yet saved. They know themselves. Thou dost know also. Our Father, we do pray that thou was single them out in light of eternity. What a tragedy should these souls go through their little lifetime. Maybe as we often consider the greater part of life now over, the grey hair maybe upon the head of someone they're not yet saved. Our Father, eternity looming ahead. We know not what lieth on the morrow. And still, our Father, the soul is not saved. Still in danger of perishing and not forever. Still in danger, our Father, of spending eternity if it could be spent. But our Father, enduring the sufferings and the wrath of hell for eternity. What a tragedy. And all the while let know of the story of saving grace. We would commend those to thee in that situation. We think of the locality round about and we do acknowledge our Father the carelessness of the homes round about. The children that are not here and the parents that are not here also. The many homes that are within sight of the little hall here. Our Father we do acknowledge that Satan has been busy. Blinding the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. And yet, our Father, we have been considering the truth of the word of God that has gotten into the home through candle calendar form of late. We would commend it to thee and pray, our Father, that even these souls that may have heard of the scripture quoted in times past, that the word of God will be resurrected in their case 
and that they would come in under the sound of thy word, that they would listen attentively what would be said from thy, from thy scriptures, and that they would understand their need of a saviour, and that they would understand that Christ has died for them upon the cross of Calvary, and that faith in what he has done, our reliance upon the work of the cross, and acceptance of thy precious word, would see them saved and bound for heaven, their destiny changed for eternity, their outlook, and, their outlook on life changed forever. Our Father, what the joys of salvation can bring, we, we revel in them, and we thank thee for the joy of our own salvation. And yet, our Father, here we are to proclamate, to, uh, to proclaim the, the good news of the gospel this evening again, to be an ambassador for thee, as it were, to tell others of thy saving grace, to tell others of the provision of so great salvation. And we would commend ourselves to thee in this task, acknowledging again that we are unable to handle these things in ourselves. But our Father, we pray that thou wast take up the clay lip this evening, that thou wast furnish our mind with thoughts, that thou wast furnish our mouth with words, that there would be something said, our Father, that would get into the heart and conscience of those that are not saved, that they wouldn't rest nor sleep until they knew their sins forgiven. Surely, our Father, as we look upon such a task, as we consider, our Father, such a responsibility, we would acknowledge our need of thee. We would acknowledge afresh, our Father, that salvation belongeth to thee. It is a prerogative to save. Any thought or any work to be done for eternity this evening must come from thyself. And thus, our Father, we take low ground before thee and acknowledge that thou would be delighted to look upon thy Son and to pour us out a blessing, even news of salvation. We do acknowledge, our Father, we need encouragement. We do need, we do need our Father, news of salvation. And thus, our Father, we leave ourselves in thy care. Remember the gospel here. Remember the gospel in other centers. We commend, our Father, the reading of thy word to thee. And we do acknowledge freely, and we thank thee, that the scripture is clear in its truth, that the word of God will not return unto thee void. And thus, our Father, we take confidence in the gospel. We take confidence in the proclamation of thy word. And we commend ourselves to thee for this brief moment, asking all giving thanks in the precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I will not sing another hymn this evening. I would like to make a few announcements here. But in the meantime, I would like you to turn, your, turn, your, turn in your scriptures to the book of the Hebrews. Hebrews and in chapter number 2. Hebrews and in chapter number 2. And when you're finding the place, I would like to announce on Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. There is the prayer meeting and the Bible study. And the study will be studies in the life of Peter. It will be very interesting. Then next Lord's Day at 7 p.m. there is the gospel meeting. And the speaker expected is a Mr. Alan Riddle from Ockram. And these meetings are all announced in the mind and the will of God. That is, if the Lord be not come, these meetings will be convened. But if the Lord has come, if the Lord has come, there'll be no meeting. I trust each one will bear that in mind and consider it in light of the announcements that are made. I would like to read three or four verses here in Hebrews chapter 2 along with other scriptures. But first of all, here in verse number 5 of Hebrews chapter 2. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come thereof we speak, whereof we speak. 
but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honour, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Is that little phrase, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Look over please to Matthew's Gospel and chapter number 26. Matthew's Gospel and chapter 26. We are going to break into this narrative, it is well known. At verse number 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go yonder and pray. Go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as thou wilt. That little phrase, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. Turn back, please, to the Hebrews again and on chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 10 for our final reading and verse number 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. It's that little phrase in verse number, excuse me, verse number 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. We know that God will add a blessing to the reading of his own precious word. Those that have followed the readings of the scriptures that I have read this evening will understand clearly what is upon my mind. In each of the three readings we have the thought of something that is little, or the thought of littleness, and is that that's upon my mind this evening for the gospel meeting. In the first reading we have here the, that the Saviour has been made a little lower than the angels. We want to look at why. We want to look at how. And we want to know 
the reason why. In the second reading over yonder in Matthew 20, 26 and verse number 39, we have a, a, an expression there that the Savior went a little further. Can anyone, anyone here measure the distance the Savior went? Further than those around him. I tell you, there was none. There was not another soul in the world ever was or ever will be that was able to go the distance that the Savior went. I know we're speaking here about a stone's cast. It's an unmeasured distance as far as the Scripture is concerned. But I'm thinking of the bigger picture. I'm thinking of Calvary itself. The Lamb of God nailed alive upon the cross of Calvary. The sacrifice being accomplished that superseded all sacrifices of an old economy. How important, how unique the distance that the Savior could go in relation to provide salvation for a sinner such as you and I. I trust we appreciate this. Those that are saved that we would be enabled to rejoice in the knowledge of sins forgiven and to be enabled to rejoice in the fact that the Savior went so far to provide salvation for us guilty ones, that we, will never, that we will never be rejected in hell fire forever. I tell you it's a blessing to know one's sins forgiven. Am I speaking to one this evening that is still not saved, and maybe the greater part of life now over? I want to whet your appetite as it were. I want you to have desires to go in for soul salvation and oh that the Spirit of God would convey to you thoughts concerning salvation that you would flee to the Savior to acknowledge your sin and trust Him for salvation. As we have mentioned in the prayer meeting and as we consider the, work, the words of Peter, for neither is there salvation in any other. Maybe I'm speaking to some here and you're intending to get to heaven by yourself. Ah, yes, you have plotted your little lifetime so far by yourself. You're intending to approach your day of death by yourself. I want to warn you from the Scriptures. If you intend to do all these things by yourself, I don't care how physically strong you might be, but you will endure eternity by yourself in the blackness of darkness and that forever. I trust each one would bear this, 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 word of, this word of warning and pay attention in light of eternity. And then the last little reading here that we had over in Hebrews in chapter 10, we have another quaint expression, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. I tell you, it's only the goodness of God that has seen fit to stretch the day of grace thus far. And I'm saying that expression to, ex to stretch the day of grace, and really it's not correct. The day of grace, the boundaries has been set from eternity past, and what if the boundary of the day of grace is tonight? God will not extend the day of grace for any. 
The day of grace, the boundary of it is already set. There may be a little while before the Savior returns. There may be a little longer time, I know not. But if you're like me and able to cast your eye around about the countryside and around the world at large today, surely the thoughts of your mind are these. I can almost hear his footfall on the threshold of the door. And how my heart is longing to be with him evermore. I tell you the problems of this world, they're not going to get less. They never will, as long as the Lord Jesus Christ is in rejection. But problems will be solved, and there'll be another problem come its way. And no doubt someday they'll solve the coronavirus problem, but there will be a grander and a greater one follow. They have crucified the Prince of Peace. They have placed him upon a cross in rejection. And really there's no peace on this ungodly world. I tell you, the Lord is about to return. And I want to say something before I go back to my first point. When the Savior comes from glory to accept his bride from this ungodly world, and when we're all gathered together, and when we're all whisked off to heaven quicker than our eyes can blink, the offer of salvation goes with them. Now, I trust you consider that. The meeting has been announced for next Lord's Day in the will of God. If the Lord comes between now and this time next week, there's no salvation for you, a sinner. Now, does that not worry you? Does that not trouble you that are not yet saved? I tell you, before I was saved, as I sat under the sound of different speakers, indeed, whenever I consider them, the most of the speakers that I sat under are now at home with the Lord. But I used to sit in the back half of any meeting I was in, and if they, would have if they would have said, we're going to read from John 14, if they had have said, we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, if they had have said, we're going to read this evening in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, my head dropped. What was wrong? The Lord's coming. And I'm not saved. And I'm in danger of perishing. And here the man's going to be speaking about the Lord's return this evening. I'm sure it rejoiced the hearts of those who were saved. It rejoiced the speaker upon the platform on these occasions. But I tell you, it didn't rejoice my soul. A lone sinner sitting in the gospel hall yonder in Banbridge or wherever I was gathered, realizing that I wasn't saved, realizing I was in danger of perishing and not forever, the Lord about to come, the offer of salvation about to go. I tell you what a perilous place I was. Any wonder my heart dropped, any wonder my head was bowed. Indeed, I remember the late Mr. Tom McNeil saying to me, after I was saved, he said, Warren, many a time I spoke on them passages just to get at you. And I tell you, I felt it. And I steeled my mind against what was said, but somehow the word of God was getting in. I was uncomfortable in my sins. I trust you're here gathered. The end of 2021 coming very near. Maybe you had intentions to be saved in the year of 21, and now we're near the close. How much longer are you going to procrastinate? The Lord's about to come. Salvation offer is about to be taken away with him. And you to be left in your sins, in danger, indeed far worse than in danger. 
guaranteed a place in the blackness of darkness forever. I tell you, that's how solemn this is. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. But let us go back to our first reading here this evening. This little, this little expression, a little lower than the angels. I thank God daily that ever the Lord Jesus Christ left heaven and took upon him the form of a man. Remember, as God, he could never die. But I thank God daily that he took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even cross death. I tell you, the plan of redemption was thought about in eternity past before ever the worlds were created. Ever at the sight of God was the Savior. Ever at the sight of the Father was the Son. And when sin was... When sin came into the Garden of Eden, that place of perfection, that place that God created for his, for his created beings, in all perfection, Adam and Eve was in the Garden, and yet sin came in, and there was that gap between God and man. That did not take God by surprise. That did not catch God unawares. God already had a plan of redemption in mind, and at his side there was one that was with him in oneness in creation. The river was by his side a lamb of his provision. I tell you, you remember that expression in, in, in Genesis chapter 22. You all know the story so well. Abraham and Isaac and the two lads heading over to the Mount Moriah for the place of sacrifice. After they seen where the, the sacrifice was going to be, and after the lads and the asses were separated from Abraham and Isaac, ah, yes, the two went on together. Isaac started to look around and he says, Father, Abraham says, Here am I, my son. Isaac says, Father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I do believe prophetically Abraham spoke words there. He said, Son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Ever in the mind of God was the sacrifice of Calvary. Ever in the mind of God was the work of the cross. I tell you, I thank God that in the, in the fullness of time, when the appointed moment was here, God sent forth his Son. And out of heaven, stepping into time, there was that infant child. I tell you, as we look upon him in yonder manger, being supported by his mother Mary, and Joseph that was near at hand, I tell you, he was no less God in the manger than he was in heaven beforehand. The uniqueness of it, Perfect manhood and perfect God. Someone has said, and I have rejoiced in it of late, 100% God, 100% man, found in one person, the babe of Bethlehem. I tell you the reason he came, the reason he came, it was to be made a little lower than the angels. Ah, yes, he became a man, 
that he would go to Calvary's cross. Ah, yes. We follow him in his journey throughout the scene of, the, the scene of time. The different situations he was coming into, the different problems of life, the different maladies of sin that faced him daily. Ah, yes, he was able to put his hand on it all. He was able to speak the word of deliverance. Such was the character of my Savior. Let us remember he was the creator of God. I often consider that journey on the boat in yonder sea. The Savior sits sleeping in the hinder part of the boat. The disciples going tell him in their distress. They say to the Savior, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Ah, yes, what did the Savior do? I can almost see him standing on the hinder part of the boat, maybe raising his hand and saying, Peace be still. I tell you, the calm that come, the calm that engulfed the whole scene, the little boat to sit at rest, the wind to cease its howling, the waves to cease their battering into the boat. Any wonder the Savior was able to do such a thing? He was the Creator. He made it all. All things was in subjection to him. And yet my mind travels on to Calvary. Ah, yes, to Calvary. We're going to cover that in the next little point. In fact, I'm going to move to it just now. Over in Matthew's Gospel and in chapter 26, we've read their words of the Savior. Ah, yes, he could take the leaven across the Cedron. The leaven could enter into the, the garden, the eleven disciples along with the Savior, twelve. They all could go into the garden a little, and then he separates Peter, James, and John. And he takes them that little bit further, the Savior with them, no doubt leading the way. And then he stops again, and he, he tells them to stop and pray. And what does it say? The Savior went that little bit further. I tell you, I thank God daily that the Savior was able to go the full way to the cross. He, knowing all things that lay before him, if it had been you or I, knowing that there was a tragedy down the road, you would turn to the left or turn to the right, but not my Savior. He, knowing that there was no other way to provide salvation for you, the guilty one. He, knowing full well that if ever you were going to know a place in heaven, salvation must be accomplished. Salvation must be paid for through his death, through the shedding of his precious blood. And onward he went, with oneness of mind. Ah, yes, we remember the words that the Savior prayed in the garden. The humanness of the Savior coming to the surface. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, I tell you what an expression. The Savior does say, nevertheless, one who was in complete obedience to the Father one who was in complete oneness with the Father in heaven. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And on he went. I'm cutting out the night of judgment. I'm cutting out the mock trial. I'm cutting out Pilate and all his sentencing. I'm cutting out Pilate. I'm cutting out Herod and his men of war. I'll take you over to the slopes of Golgotha. Ah, yes, at nine o'clock in the morning, that little procession to leave Jerusalem, heading over to the place of sacrifice. I don't know how far it was from Jerusalem. That little mountain of Calvary, that little mountain called Golgotha. Ah, yes, the four soldiers that was in charge with each crucifixion. 
to take the Savior and stretch him upon the tree of wood. What a scene. How yes, we look across and we see the thieves on either side. No doubt we see a struggle. But no struggle with my Lord. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep dumb before her shearers, he openeth not his mouth. I can almost see the hand has been stretched out willingly. The feet been stretched down the pole willingly. The spikes to be hammered through the flesh. I tell you, they're not a nail that comes out of shillities. Oh, no. These were rough iron spikes. Nailed through the hands and the feet of the Savior. That cross to be abrased and dropped into the socket. And there the Savior to hang a spectacle all around. Ah, yes, there was those that made their way from Jerusalem that day. And passing by, they would have wagged their heads. They were hurling their abuse even in the crucifixion upon my Lord. If they, be, if they be willing, come down from the cross and we will believe thee. All the abuse that they could think of after the night of mock trial and after the sentence that had been passed and yet the Savior in all his glory in all his dignity in all the sor- solitariness of the cross there he hangs Bearing all that man could put upon him in dignity. And then at midday something happened that wasn't normal. Ah, yes, at the very zenith of the sun that day, God to close the whole scene in darkness. I often wonder what fear came into the man that was round about. And yet they must acknowledge there's a ground, there's a power here that we cannot see. And for those three hours of darkness, God to meet upon him the iniquity of us all. I tell you, it's far beyond me. I'm not here to explain it, for I can't. But I'm here to proclamate it, for I can. Upon yonder cross at Calvary, God the Father made to meet upon him his Son all the sins of this ungodly world. Not a one left out. If there had been one overlooked, even by mistake, which there couldn't have been, Calvary would not have been a completed work. It couldn't have been. But every sin known to God, past, present, and future, was placed upon God's Son. Any wonder, we read in in, in, in Psalm 22, verse number 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I tell you, whatever the Lord Jesus Christ, him and all his perfections upon the tree, when he was made sin for you and I, God the Father must look away. Do you remember? It says here in Psalm 22, My God, my God. It doesn't say their Father. The Lord Jesus Christ bound to the will of God. Salvation must be provided. A death must be accomplished. Sufferings must be endured. And the Savior says, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then after the work of Calvary was over, In around three o'clock in the afternoon, what does the Savior cry then? He says, Father. Ah, yes, the union back together again. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I say the uniqueness of Calvary, the uniqueness of the bond of Father and Son, the uniqueness of the moment 
of forsakenness upon the tree. It was your sin, it was my sin caused it. And God the Father made to meet upon his Son, while upon yonder tree, the iniquity of us all. The Savior in all his perfections, able to endure it all, able to extinguish the wrath of heaven. He was able to cry, it is finished. I tell you, that's a tremendous moment in the history of this old world. No more sacrifices needed. Calvary has been accomplished. Precious blood has been shed. The Father is satisfied. I often consider that. What must the Father in heaven have thought at that moment? Ah, yes, the judgment is over. My son has paid the price. I can now offer salvation to sinners in this ungodly world. I tell you, are you here this evening? I want to leave in your ears again the truth of salvation. You could never pay your way to heaven, and neither could I. I don't care the size of your checkbook. I don't care the size of your bank balance, but it can't be done. I don't care how fragile your eyes is with tears. You cannot cry your way to heaven. I don't care how reverent you are on your knees in prayer. Prayer will not get you to heaven. Salvation has been provided. And on this evening, on this Lord's Day in December 2021, it's offered to you a sinner freely and without charge. So someone, what have I to do? Well, I'll tell you, you have things to do. I hear it said in many's a platform, there's nothing to do. And in a sense, that is right, but there is things you must do. Number one, you're going to have to repent of your sins. You're going to have to turn your back upon the sinful life that you have. Number two, you're going to have to acknowledge I'm a sinner in danger of perishing. And if I go on on my own account, I will perish. And number three, God will reveal his son to you in saving grace. So someone, what will I do then? Well, you'll, you'll just, if you're going to know your sins forgiven, you'll just do the same as I did. Although that's no template for anybody. But you're just going to rest where God rests. I mean, that's all I've done. I can't say I gathered up a whole big pile of feelings of, of belief for I didn't do that. Because I wouldn't have knew when I had believed enough. But I done just that morning the 3rd of April, 89. I just rested where God rests. And I thank God for salvation. Simply, plainly, I took God at his word. But he was wounded for Warren's transgression. He was bruised for Warren's iniquity. And his chastisement was laid, Warren's chastisement was laid upon him. And with his stripes, Warren is healed. And I just took God at his word. And I was saved for time and eternity. If you're here this evening in your sins and you're still in danger of perishing, I want to tell you, I thank God daily that the Lord went the full route. He went that little bit further than anybody else. He was the only one could provide salvation for the guilty. And upon the tree under at Calvary, the Savior entered into the sin question. A tremendous work that was accomplished between Father and Son. Let us remember every sin you have ever committed. It has been committed primarily against the God of heaven. And he will demand a payment for it. If I turn your minds back to Psalm, 20, Psalm chapter 50, 
There's words there spoken in relation to God. These things hast thou done, and I kept silent. Thou thoughtest I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee. I will set them in order before thine eyes. I want to tell you, God requireth that which is past. Sort of does away with turning over a new leaf. Sort of does away with a certain kind of reformation. Ah, yes, the sins of a past life, they must be dealt with. If you never acknowledge them in light of eternity, if you never trust God's Son for salvation, I tell you, I want to warn you faithfully, you will endure hellfire forever. Have you got that? I want nobody to go out the door misunderstanding the seriousness of the gospel. Ah, yes, it's a glorious message to proclaim, but it has that side of warning. A sinner born into this scene of time and their sins, and let us all remember we were all born in sin. If we go through our little lifetime down here without salvation and come to the day of death, God has nowhere else to put you but hell. And yet, if you go past and come to the day of your death not saved, let us all remember you've had to go past Calvary to get there. In other words, you've had to turn your back against the offer of salvation. In other words, you've had to say, I'm going to go my own way. I'm not going to trust God's way. I tell you, the holiness of God will never allow sin into heaven, and you will find a dreadful place in the lake of fire which burneth forever. That's the truth of my Bible. And I must discharge my responsibility because in a future day I will give account for how I handled the Scriptures. While I thank God that His Son went the whole way to the cross, He went that little bit further than anybody else. He was able to provide salvation for you guilty sinners and me as well. There is salvation in offer to you this evening if you want it. I trust I'm speaking to one and you've come in through the door yonder. And the uppermost thought on your, on your mind has been the words of another. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Ah, yes, the burden of your heart. The sin rising like mountains all around you and you finding yourself guilty in the sight of God. Did you come in this evening desiring salvation? I want to tell you the good news of the gospel, how that Christ died according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The God of heaven is satisfied with the work of Calvary. After the Savior was buried in in that new tomb, on the third appointed morning, up from the grave he arose. God in all his mighty power was able to suffer his son to come out of the the grave, out of the tomb. That holy one never seen corruption, but he was raised out from amongst the dead, and he was seen of many. He traversed this scene of time in that unique body. We've been considering it of late in the Bible reading. 
that unique body that he had upon earth for those 40 days is the same body that I will be given and that you will be given the moment the Lord returns from the, in the air. Exactly the same body. And there the Savior walked about the scene of time in that body for 40 days. After 40 days, he takes a little band out as far as to Bethany. I can almost see him lifting his hands to bless them. And he, him starting to rise into the presence of God. Them to watch him rise, a cloud to receive him out of their sight. But I want to tell you, a little, yet a little while, and he that shall come, he will come. Before the Savior ever went to the cross yonder, in John's Gospel, chapter 14, speaking in what is known as the upper room ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ gathering his own around, a little, around himself at the table yonder, he was able to tell them, if I go away, I will come again. Now that might seem a very late little promise, but a promise it is. A promise that will be kept. A promise that is coming very near fulfillment. For yet a little while, he that shall come, he will come. I tell you, as I said before, I used to shudder in my, in my shoes or on the seat. Fifty years ago, as I heard the gospel proclaimed, how much nearer is his return not now? The wickedness of this ungodly world haven't abounded thus far. I tell you, we often wonder how more wicked, wickedness can be shown. Is not the days of Sodom and Gomorrah upon us, or even behind us? We've even advanced from that, that ugly stage. I tell you, the coming of the Lord is at the very door. The offer of salvation is available now. It's valid now. I have still the authority from Scripture to proclaim Christ as your only hope for eternity. But as I have already said, the moment the Lord comes, every saved soul on earth, whether they have previously died, whether they're still alive in the body, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And off to heaven we'll go quicker than you can shout, bye-bye. But I believe as I read the scriptures, the offer of salvation goes with the Savior. In other words, the moment the Lord returns, a soul who knows the truth of the gospel, a soul who knew their need of a Savior and didn't go in for soul salvation, they may, they may live a few years in this ungodly world, and I tell you, whenever the salt is taken, decay will set in more severe. The wickedness of the world will abound on every hand, and there you that knows the gospel will be found. Ah, yes, if you go over to the book of the Revelation, it speaks of strong delusion being sent from God to even deceive those that knows the truth. And all the while you're guaranteed a place in hell.
This is serious. And yet the good news of the gospel is this. There is salvation for you, a sinner, just now. And I would implore of you, trust God's Son for salvation while there's time. Be sure of heaven and home when death comes your way. Because death's on the track of all. May God bless his word. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we would quiet ourselves in thy presence again at the close of our coming together. And we do thank thee, Father, for the reading of thine own precious word. We thank thee, Father, for these truths that we have been considering this evening in the gospel. We thank thee for thy well-beloved Son, that one who came from heaven to provide salvation for the guilty of earth. And we thank thee, those of us that are saved for salvation's day. We thank thee for the Saviour who went to Calvary, who provided salvation through his death. And we praise thee, Father, for the availability of salvation tonight. And yet, as our fathers, we have been considering the Lord's about to come. The day of grace is about to come to an end. The offer of salvation is about to be withdrew. And the situation for sinners in our gathering is bleak for eternity. And yet, our Father, the offer of salvation is still on. And thus we commend the gospel to thee here and in other centers round about. We pray for those that have been under the sound of thy word this evening. And we pray for encouragement in hearing of sinners trusting thy Son for salvation. We commend ourselves to thee now for journeying mercies. In thy will, take each to our homes in safety. We ask all giving thanks in the precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.